Hi there. In the words of Arnold Schwarzenegger's famous line from The Terminator, I'm back. I hope you missed me. And I apologize for the absence of new podcasts over the past, what, six months. I'm going to commit to being more consistent. And please note that I did not say that this is a New Year's resolution, even though that is what this episode is all about. It's about the placebo effect of making New Year's resolutions, as well as how to make sure the benefit doesn't fizzle out in a month. So how are you doing as we head into this new year? I feel like I've been a support actor in a Terminator movie of my own. What a roller coaster of a ride these past two years of the pandemic has taken us through. My heavens. One of the most serious dips of my personal roller coaster ride, where I've particularly suffered, and I know this sounds a bit elitist, but hey, it's the truth was that as a travel addict, I was denied my fix. I absolutely love travel. My joy, the excitement, begins from the time I get to the airport, let alone onto a plane. It's as if every one of my brain cells opens up in anticipation of the places I will see, the people I'll meet, new foods I'll get to taste, and of course, the coincidental experiences that travel attracts. I couldn't recall the last time that I'd had such a long travel gap. So you can imagine my excitement when I managed to travel to Italy, my fave place, for a blissful four weeks towards the end of the European summer. Not that getting there was that easy. My heavens. Between the series of COVID tests, a pile of documentation, and the challenge of 24 hours solid of mask wearing, I felt as if I jogged to Europe, let alone flown. And then there was the psychology of having come from a country still in comparatively stringent lockdown to one where I could actually see the mouths of people on the streets and the beaches. To be honest, the relatively short-term isolation that I had to go into when I first arrived actually served to help me go through a mental adjustment to freedom once again. Well, one of the most remarkable benefits of the change of scene was that both my level of motivation as well as my creative brain returned. Not that I was overly aware that these features of my character had disappeared. It was more of a retrospective realization, and it may have been fueled by fresh experiences like coming across working donkeys with their handler, making their way up a narrow mountain path that I took for a hike. I didn't want to get too close to those donkeys, and I was quite happy to slowly follow and use the time to take a video and think very creatively of a great social media post which actually proved to be very popular. But I digress. The point that I want to make is that the change of setting alone served as a major reboot for me. 
And I returned home feeling refreshed and now very aware of the impact that the pandemic and specifically aspects such as remote working, isolation, and living with this underlying stress had impacted on me. Needless to say, the rest of the year rushed past, and before I knew it, summer had arrived in the Southern Hemisphere, and we went into our big summer vacation escape mode, even though many businesses were still reeling from the economic penalty and trying to find ways to make up for lost time and revenue. And here we are. The festivities are done. Families are gradually returning from their coastal vacation spots. And the shopping list has switched from gifting to buying all the stuff that's needed for getting back to school, with desperate parents hoping that the kids will actually be physically returning to school. And of course, every email, conversation, and message now begins with a salutation for a better year ahead. Perhaps with a more sincere depth of intent than in the past. I wonder if the more sincere tone is because so many millions of people have joined the big resignation movement and are starting out on their new career paths with a bit of trepidation and the prayer that this new plan is going to work. I've never been fond of the practice of making New Year's resolutions. First of all, I find the whole concept of New Year's celebrations a bit depressing. I hate the idea of another year having passed me by. But even more so, why are we waiting for a 12-month mark to evaluate whether we've achieved everything we wanted to in this period and to once again resolve to, I don't know, lose 10 kilos, change jobs, start exercising more, start your own business, step away from the office psychopath, write your book and travel more, of course, for me. You name it. What are your favorites? Don't get me wrong, I'm not completely discounting the benefit, the advantages of making New Year's resolutions. I believe that there is a placebo effect. And in this episode of The Art of the Suit, the first episode for this new year, you see, I am in fact resolving to do something. I would like to share ideas on how you can make this placebo work to your benefit. More importantly, though, I'd like to share a few suggestions on how you should approach the concept of New Year's resolutions in a way that is more to make them more sustainable and with measurable results for when you glance back in 12 months time. For those listening in who may not be familiar with the concept of a placebo effect, bear with me while I explain. The placebo effect is when a person's physical or mental health appears to improve after taking a placebo or dummy treatment. 
placebo is Latin for I will please and refers to a treatment that appears real but cannot prescribe a therapeutic benefit. Largely speaking, the benefit is psychological rather than physiological because there were no actual chemicals put into your body or into your system. And frankly, who cares? If making yourself a list of 10 things you want to achieve has the placebo effect of hardwiring your brain and increasing your levels of motivation to do it, then great. But, and there's always a but, isn't there? The majority of people fail to sustain this beyond the first month or so. Pity, yes. But a further downside is then that you could be left feeling even more disappointed with yourself because, after all, you did announce your resolutions to friends, family, neighbors, on social media, you name it, you announced it. So what do we do? Prevention is better than cure. And I'd like to share five simple suggestions on how you can reinforce your resolutions and so increase the likely success and benefits. Number one, if you don't know what you want, start with what you don't want. The trigger for many resolutions is the desire for things to be different. But verbalizing the detail is often the challenge. If you cannot be that specific about what you do want, don't feel alone. This is the reason why so many people don't get around to starting, setting goals or beginning the actions to achieve those goals. So begin with the idea of what are you unhappy with and the things that you want to leave behind. Write down your list of the don't wants and see if working off that base, you can start designing what it is that you do want. If you can't find the flip side of that don't want description, then you need to take it off your list because it means that it can't be interpreted into a goal. I'll explain more about goal setting in the next point. You might land up with a very long list. For this to be a practical or achievable goal exercise, I think you should land up with a list of between three to six ideas. For those ideas to stay on the list, the don't wants must have the flip side of a do want, and then rate those in the order of most urgent or most desired. Give it a try. Suggestion number two, make sure you set goals. There's a vast difference between the measure of losing 10 kilograms and the goal of feeling healthier, better about yourself, and the positive effect of liking what you see in the mirror each day. Understanding the difference between a goal and an arbitrary action is likely to be the difference between an empty resolution 
and a measurable change in your life. One of the greatest sales and motivational masters ever was Zig Ziglar. And I often quote him. One of my favorites is a saying of his in relation to the motivation to set goals. He said, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. It's like shooting arrows into space. So looking back at your list of wants or don't wants, carefully consider what the bigger goal is. And more importantly, make sure that this is what you are truly after. I have met so many people who have shared that their goal, for example, was to have their own business. But the reality was that they hadn't truly thought through the motivation or the level of commitment. What percentage of new businesses succeed or fail? Or even what the competitor landscape looked like in that particular market segment. The truth was that what they wanted was to make more money or wanted to escape the boss from hell or frankly didn't want to work as hard as they do in their current job. Your own business, that is your goal really? Well, you are going to have to make financial sacrifices for at least the first three years while you ground that business. You may be exchanging the boss from hell with the client from hell And surprise, surprise, you'll find that you're going to be working harder than you ever did before. So if the motivation is truly based on an inner driving vision and passion, then all of these negative aspects that I've spoken about will fade into insignificance and you will be happy to make the sacrifices. So I come back to the original point. Make sure you set goals. My third piece of advice, number three, is that baby steps beat the strongest path. Regardless of the size of your goal, you are most likely going to have to establish new habits along with a shift in mindset. And both of these will involve your brain, that wonderful, unique supercomputer that each of us owns and where our habits, old and new, are housed. The potential of the brain to learn new habits is almost limitless. It's called neuroplasticity. Thinking about what you want to do is a good starting point, but you need to practice the new habit for a while so that the neural connections can be firmly set. It takes time and patience, and you need to be fair to your brain through a gradual process, regardless of whether you're introducing a mental or physical habit as part of your resolution. Let me use the example of taking up running, a very popular New Year's resolution. It may be that you've made the decision to run a marathon before the year is out. 
Now, you've obviously thought through the goal as we discussed in the earlier point, right? So there's a bigger goal in mind. Trust me, if there isn't, you're soon going to run out of steam, literally, with this type of commitment. I remember when I made the decision to take up running. I'd never been a runner. I joined an organization called Run Walk for Life. It was all about well-being, and they had a very stringent program that every newcomer had to follow. I had the shoes, the running gear, and the vision of hitting the road with a whole bunch of athletic-looking individuals. So I was hugely dismayed when in the beginning, we were confined to a sports field, and the first sessions were literally 10 minutes of walking and two minutes of a gentle jog. I didn't even work up a sweat. I thought it was a rip. As the weeks progressed and the duration and mix between walking and running started switching around, I soon realized that if I had immediately headed out and pushed a 5k run, I would have most likely just injured myself, both physically and ego-wise, and given up. Regardless of whether it's an old habit that you're trying to leave behind or a brand new ambition that you're aiming to introduce, work out a gradual progression that is realistic and relatively easy to achieve. Start out with baby steps. This will help you establish that new neural pathway of habit. And one more piece of advice, schedule the program that you develop into your diary. If you're concerned that your goal is of a very personal, private nature and not really to be publicized in a diary, then give it a code name. But put it into your program. It's the best way of keeping track of just how committed you are. suggestion is to negotiate rewards with yourself. One of my favorite books on behavior is Charles Duhigg's The Power of Habit. In it, he explains how habits are formed. It's all about neuroplasticity and how to get over bad habits, how to create healthy new habits. In very simple terms, there's a loop that we follow. There's a trigger We react in a certain way to that trigger, and then we feel reward or take reward. Unfortunately, not all responses to triggers are beneficial. So, for example, there may be a task that you dislike. That is the trigger. So your habitual response is to avoid it by justifying that you should quickly pop out for a coffee and while you're there, you reward yourself with a muffin because obviously you need a treat because you have to get back to this really tough task. So you can see this is all about mindset and your attitude and the conversations you're having in your head. To create the new habits that are going to help you turn your resolutions into deliverable goals, you're going to have to go into some serious negotiations with yourself. Take my example. Make a determined commitment 
to first completing the task you really don't want to do before you get to the nice stuff in the average day. And only allow yourself the indulgence of the muffin as a reward for having done this. If you are a procrastinator, then this will be a strategy that is even more beneficial to you specifically. Not all rewards have to have calories attached to them. In fact, you don't want to adopt this as a habit. Rather, put together a list of a whole lot of rewards that appeal to you. It may be a work-free weekend, without guilt, as an example. But an excellent reward method is to learn the art of reflection and gratitude. Use that diary once again to see how many times in the past week you practiced your new resolution habit and then compliment yourself as a fabulous reward for a job well done. The final suggestion, number five, is don't wait for 12 months before you look back. My recommendation is that you pause and review how you're doing every three months. This is what successful businesses and brands do, so why not you? You are, after all, the most important brand in your life. And what should you think about? Well, are you any closer to your goals? Have you been running too fast or are you still being disciplined enough to take baby steps? Are the new habits still hard work or have they become more of a natural part of you? Do the ideas still appeal to you? And once you've done this review, don't hesitate to reset. You may have made it to the top of a hill and realized that you don't like the view after all. It's your life. So choose the next hill, your new goal. And work out the route map to get you there. And most importantly, don't beat yourself up about it. Rather, add yet another compliment to your collection of rewards in return for the investment you are making in becoming the best version of yourself. That's it for this episode. Thank you for lending me your ears once again. I really hope that the ideas I have shared will serve as an excellent placebo for you and give you a little extra push as you enter this year. And why not share it with that friend of yours that you know is always announcing their New Year's resolutions and that fizzle out after a month. Maybe this is the year that they will make it to the top of a new mountain. I am Dawn Klatsko and this has been a fresh episode of the art of the suit. Do good, be great.